and welcome to The Connected Singer with Michael Hill and me, Julie Thompson. We're both singers and vocal coaches who love researching and learning new ways to keep in tip-top shape vocally and mentally. We know that being a performer is a hugely rewarding but also demanding career for mind, body and soul. And we want to help you find the balance you need to keep going on your musical journey. Each week, we'll be speaking to performers, teachers and expert practitioners in a range of fields. From psychology to sports science to recce, who will share their knowledge and experiences to provide you with a toolkit of ways to keep well, beat performance anxiety, avoid burnout and get the most enjoyment out of the pursuit we all love, singing. Welcome, everybody, again to another episode of the Connected Singer podcast. Well, what another fascinating interview. The researchers Susanna Bargman and Ulrich Elholm really, really did highlight how taking regular but sinful steps with focus and determination to a, towards a goal really pays off, however little experience you previously had. And what I really loved was that they demonstrated through their research that age really is just a number. And that skills can be learned all the time, just as long as you've got the right determination, of course, but the right methodology with the right mental attitude or the right attitude. And so many new skills can be learned, especially singing, because I think most people would believe that learning to sing to a professional standard in your 40s with a view to actually release records, to record and release records to uh, such a professional standard is just a dream or maybe a, an unrealistic concept or goal. Absolutely. So really loved that they completely blew that out of the water, <laughs> especially as Susanna had had no previous music industry experience or live gigging experience, perhaps a little bit of choir ex experience when she was younger, but for the last 20 years hasn't been standing on a stage every year. But it's not just down to talent that has to be nurtured at an early age that makes a great singer or a great singing voice but actually having the right tools and the right coach, of course, <laughs> that will help you to or enable anybody that has a real passion for singing and music um, and is willing to put the work in because I don't believe it was easy for her. It's a real inspiration to know that if you really want to go for something like this, then it is possible. And really not to worry about age, because I think actually learning a new skill just keeps you young. You know, it, it, uh, it keeps your mind active and definitely improves confidence. But yeah, wonderful, inspiring story. Yeah, totally. Uh, and of course, she tells it really beautifully in the podcast. So, you know, stay tuned. Um, I'll let her explain it much better than, than I can. But this idea that coming from initially Ericsson's pioneering work on, you know, the 10,000 hours of, of deliberate practice to achieve a goal. It's really saying that, you know, the, the, the brain is very, is very plastic, you know, neuroplasticity. It can create new pathways all the time. And, and what we need is to strengthen and, and build on those pathways. So if you put in the time, 
to practice something and you have clear goals, then, you know, you will master that uh, that thing that you're working on. And I think it's, you know, in many ways it can be challenging because it's a lot of work, but it's also inspiring because it's, uh, it's possible. You know, what was that Will Young song about anything is possible? <laughs> it is, Will, it is. He knew it back in 2001 or whenever it was. But uh, yeah, I, you know, check out this, this story, Susanna and Ulrich, because the, the way that they work together as well is just such a, a brilliant model for, you know, singers wanting to attain a goal, anyone wanting to master a subject, could be a language or anything. But also, I think, for teachers to consider, you know, what are the parameters to to make the learning experience really clear and structured and achievable and, you know, the goals are all set out and the, the motivation is maintained. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Also, just to persevere with this deliberate practice it's very motivating and inspiring for tutors or coaches to just know just keep keep on hanging in there you know because eventually you will achieve your goal and it's nothing to do with the external factors um it's having that combination i think of the internal motivation with um a plan that you know is going to succeed for you in whatever and i think you've made a really good point there actually that it's it can be applied to anything really, can't it? Not just singing. So I think without further ado, we should crack on with the interview and let you all learn a thing or two about deliberate practice. The Connected Singer. Now, we love a bargain on this podcast. And today we've got two for the price of one. In fact, both of our contributors today have two jobs for the price of one. Ulrich Elholm is a singer-songwriter and renowned Danish vocal coach. And Susanna Bagman is a psychologist and professional recording artist. Although, as you'll find out today, her journey to being a recording artist was a little different and a very inspiring example for all of us looking to achieve our artistic goals. Welcome, Susanna and Ulrich. It's great to have you here. Um, we're really excited to speak with you today on this podcast to hear about your story and the journey that you had together during your research project that you undertook, um, how that came about and the experience you gathered. And we're also very much looking forward to hearing any hints and tips that you can give us in relation to this topic that you explored um, that also resulted in a book um, and the main topic for today, that being deliberate practice. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So could you tell us what made you focus on deliberate practice in singing? And could you perhaps give us a little bit of background on what uh, deliberate practice is? Yeah, um, actually, it started in my field of work. It started in psychotherapy. I was reading literature on psychotherapy. And when we look at research over the past 50 years, it seems like psychotherapists weren't achieving better outcomes now as opposed to 50 years ago. So I, I have a group of colleagues and, and um, we started talking about this because it was kind of puzzling given the amount of money being spent every year trying to improve what we do. And that led us uh, to start reading literature by a researcher called Kay Anders Erickson. Um, I don't know if you've heard his name before, but he's the 10,000-hour guy. He's the person who did the research 
behind that statement, it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert. And, and he, was, he was the person that first cornered the phrase deliberate practice. And um, so we were reading about it. And um, I think after reading about it for a while, I realized I, I don't understand things just by reading about them. I have to try them out. Um, so, so this is why I started wondering, how can I try this out on myself? Okay, great. Yeah. And just uh, to hear a little bit of your background, you were previously never a singer when you... No, I, to be fair, I did sing as a child in church choirs or one church choir and sort of the choir at school. But I think when I turned 18 and I graduated from high school, all of that stopped because, uh, you know, other things took priority. <laughs> and I, and I, I stopped singing completely. So I, I had been singing as a child. So how did Ulrich get involved? Uh, how did you find him? And uh, what was your motivation for uh, searching uh, a vocal coach? Well, I, I, was, uh, I was trying to, because it was very clear from what Ericsson said that you needed a coach. And then I thought, I need to find the best coach possible. Um, so I started Googling and Ulrich's name came up. And I think actually I remembered him from being a coach on some of the TV shows at, at here in Denmark. And um, I thought he's probably a pretty good coach. And uh, I thought, why not send him an email? Being able to reach out and connect with people that we don't know through email is just great. So Ulrich, you obviously responded. Um, had it been something that you'd thought about? Was research uh, an area or psychological research an area that you'd you'd wanted to pursue what was your response yeah i got curious to be honest i got a little bit curious because there was something in susanna's uh, approach uh, that was a little bit different and uh, she talked about this deliberate practice and how she would like to measure her progress and how she would like to to uh, spend some time at home also practicing so i felt like this is serious and uh, and to me, it's good to work on many different levels, uh, even though uh, I mostly do work with professionals <laughs> and maybe I was a little bit skeptic in the beginning, but there was something in the approach that made me curious. But to be honest, like what you said in your email was, I will meet you for one session is what you said. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. A real skeptic. <laughs> but we met for one session and we I did. felt like, this is interesting. Let's keep on working. And, uh, and I'm so happy I did today because I learned a lot too. And, uh, and actually it, it turned out as I see it, correct me if I'm wrong, Susanne, that, um, I, I remember, for example, you asked me at some point if, if you could uh, record, was it part of the session or no, you, you wanted to interview me yeah. about how I worked to show for your colleagues. And I felt like, but why? I mean, we're just working. It's just like the normal way we work here. What's so interesting? And that also got me curious because mm. maybe there is something in the approach uh, that that uh, that's actually a little bit special. Um, I mean, you can have many uh, different, there are many different ways of doing singing, teaching, but um, the way I'm brought up or how you say it at, at the Institute in Copenhagen, Complete Vocal Institute, there is maybe an approach 
an approach there which is very close to the deliberate practice way. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. As we've, uh, as Julie and I both know about um, your approach, Ulrich, there is a lot of talk in the teaching uh, about things like muscle memory. Um, and that's it's one of these buzzwords that we use just all the time. You know, get it into your muscle memory. You've got to build the muscle memory. Now, you know, research, I think, has, has moved a little bit away from that, actually. But maybe you could both comment on how deliberate practice uh, takes this concept forward. I think, actually, Ericsson is, is pretty preoccupied with... I remember one of the books written on, um, on deliberate practice talked about how the brain chemistry changes once you start building a memory of what you're doing. They call it white matter. You develop more white matter. Um, so I think actually the deliberate practice literature has been quite focused on building a memory of doing things correctly. And, um, and that, I think that's why I thought Ulrich's approach was interesting because it's much more specific than the way I've been taught as a psychotherapist. We, we're taught in, I guess, more general ways. But Ulrich's way of teaching was so specific to exactly what I was struggling with. And then he had a whole way of describing specifically what are we doing, which I, I found very interesting. I'd like to actually just ask a quick question that is inspired by the ACE keynote presentation that you did in 2018, where you point out that there are elements of Ulrich's teaching approach that could be used or integrated into some of the uh, your psychotherapy practice. Have you found that through this experience you've been able to do that? And how would you say that you've been able to do that? I, um, I do a lot of um, inspirational talk for my group of colleagues and I try to inspire them to take seriously the fact that we haven't improved and that maybe we need to rethink how we're trying to generate professional development because it, it seems to be kind of the missing link in some ways. Um, so I bring it in. Actually, I, I sometimes do a demonstration. So I, I do singing in my inspirational talks as a demonstration of how I've, how it's been successful in another area. And, and I try to, translate some of the ideas into psychotherapy worlds. And um, I, do, I do also do one-on-one -on -one coaching of people that want to do deliberate practice. So I, I think actually it has, in many ways, influenced my work as a psychologist also. It's just interesting how these things cross over, yeah. and I think they're very intertwined. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, for our our singers, um, perhaps Ulrich, you could start with this one. How did you uh, devise the training routine and what advice would you give struggling, uh, well, singers that are struggling to, to find them a routine that works for them? Yeah, um, well, that's a long, long <laughs> one. But, uh, in short, we could say that, uh, first of all, of course, it's always individual. Um, so you, you have to take that into account and... Um, and together with Susanna, we decided, you know, after a couple of uh, sessions to, um, to write a book together and, and uh, suggest some, some um, how can we say it, Susanna, some very 
uh, try to be specific about deliberate practice because deliberate practice is um, is described in many ways, but maybe not in such a specific way. So we try to come up with some tools. And for example, we have this model where you, and this is in very short, but you have to kind of measure your baseline, uh, accept that you are at a certain level. And if you believe that you can learn most things, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> uh, from there, you, you put up some goals and you have to analyze some patterns in how you practice to make sure you practice the right way. Because as Michael talked about, if you get it wrong into your muscular memory, it takes a long time to correct it again. So why not try to do it right from the beginning? But that needs a little bit of analyzing. And uh, from there, you, you of course, uh, have uh, some uh, feedback and, and coaching and you make a program and you, you uh, break things into bits and bytes. That's very important too, because if I sing a, a whole song 400 times, for sure it becomes better. But at some point, it's a little bit like Ericsson describes that uh, um, it stagnates. Uh, it could be uh, whatever. It could be a career of a doctor or whatever. At at some point, if you don't, if you're not aware of where your weak sites are, you stagnate. And um, so, so it's very important that you break that song down into bits and bytes and find out maybe together with a coach where are my weak spots and and to break them even further down until you find something that can actually work for you, that you can do the right way, build it up in the muscular memory, put it back together again. And from there, you can raise your baseline, put up new goals and so on. So it's like, in a way, a, a circular movement. And um, that's what we try to describe in the book. Yeah, you talk about planning is really, really important. Um, and you also mentioned, which I think a lot of vocal coaches out there, well, and singers, I guess, can relate to is how, how you have a wonderful lesson. It goes absolutely fantastic and everyone's motivated and you leave the room. And as a coach, you think, yeah, that was great. And as a singer, you think, right, I'm going to carry on. And then a week later, they come back. You said, how did your practice go? Oh, I didn't do any. <laughs> what would, would your advice be uh, for those singers and for those coaches that are in this situation where maybe the singer is not as motivated or um, the, the teacher is a little bit frustrated because the singer hasn't practiced. I, I think actually the first, the first step is to figure out where the problem lies. So actually it was the case for me in the beginning that I would go to a session with Ulrich and I wouldn't have practiced enough when I came back, not as much as we'd agreed I would. <laughs> and, and part of it was because I, I'm not alone very much because I have kids and I, when I'm out working, I'm surrounded by people. So I couldn't figure out how to practice without bothering other people. Yeah. And, um, and I, I don't have a basement. I don't have a place to go where I can shut the door. Nobody's bothered. So we had to first analyze where's the problem and then figure out what would be other options for practicing that I hadn't thought of. And, and for me, it's my car. So I've done a lot of singing in my car um, because nobody can hear you really. And I would be able to make all the loud sounds and, and nobody would be bothered by it. So I, I would say first analyze where's the problem. And, and um, yeah. Yeah. 
I think I can relate to you in that. I had the same issue when I was living in a flat. I'd get in my car and mm-hmm. drive out to a field <laughs> where I could yeah. shout the loudest. And even with closed windows, you know, you were still worried that maybe someone will hear me in the field. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh, there's many singers out there that can relate to that. Yeah. For sure, that's important. And and uh, and that's also why it's individual. And maybe it even starts uh, before, like in the way you approach the singer, Uh, with um, motivation, I mean, what would you like to work on? Uh, I'm sure you know that question. And, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, and I think that's important. Of course, I have to to lead Susanna in the beginning, but I also have to ask Susanna what she would like to sing and what she would like to work on. And my experience, again, just my experience, is that if I start with a ton of scales up and down and and we don't know why we're doing this, she might lose motivation. So so even though maybe it's not my favorite song that Susanna chooses, it's very important that she's part of that process. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she actually likes what, what she's doing there. Yeah. yeah. What about now in terms of, um, you know, having reached this level, which we'll get to later, you know, becoming a, a professional singer, uh, how do you keep this external motivation that you talk about in your 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 work you know do you still do you and Ulrich still have checkup lessons or how how does it work now <laughs> yeah i i think actually what you're talking about is something that is puzzling me more at the moment the when you've reached a certain goal and how do you keep going because i'm convinced that if i keep going that's what's going to maybe increase my chances of getting even more out there with my music but it's also more challenging because I, I did reach my goal. And so I, I have regular sessions with Ulrich and I find that that's critical because if I don't, I will not practice. And then, I mean, given the situation of being locked down, I've had to, again, figure out ways of practicing that doesn't bother other people. And I don't get as much practice done as I did in the beginning. I would practice one to two hours a day in the beginning And maybe now I get 30 minutes done a day, so it's less. But I, I try to apply the same idea that we applied in the beginning. I have to have a specific focus, something that I really want to master, because that gives me motivation. And as a as an artist now, I'd be quite interested in how that practice perhaps has changed. Because I guess when you were when you first started, were you singing other people's songs, and now you're doing your own material. Yeah, but I still do other people's songs. I, I still have aspirational goals of somebody I want to sound like. So I will still pick a song by a person thinking I'm going to have to try to see if I can learn to sound more like them. Um, I also practice my own songs, but for me, they're easier <laughs> because I've I've worked with them both before we recorded them and I've also had a chance to perform them. So I've also worked with them afterwards. Um, so I, I try to actually still focus in my practice, focus on sounds or ways of singing that I want to master and then try to find songs that will challenge that sound. And I think what would be quite interesting for the listeners also is to to uh, know how you deal with recording, deliberate practice for recording and deliberate practice for stage. Yeah. We know that we sing slightly differently in these environments. So how, how are you tackling that? 
I think because when I started recording, I was, I had never tried it before. So I've used Udbeck quite a lot. <laughs> um, and, and we've, we've had to try to, to do recordings in Ulrich's room and try to figure out what were my challenges in that situation. I've had to learn to turn down the volume. That's taken years, um, really. Um, I know that. <laughs> and and, and, and as, as well as not getting into trouble vocally when I turn down the volume. Um, and then I find being in the studio actually is, it's pretty helpful. I, um, I help, I, I'm part of the editing of the vocals in the studio. So that's actually a learning experience too. Hearing the recording and hearing where the mini mistakes are that you probably would never notice if you were doing a live performance. Yeah. Yeah. That's so so true. it's, it's a lot of, and, and I record at home. So it's a lot of trying to emulate the situation in the studio, both with Uleg and at home. I think this is really valuable experience, actually. In fact, um, from my experience, uh, working with other other students in the studio has been a really valuable mm. learning curve for them because they hear automatically. They have not just your ears, but they have their own exactly. ears on the corner. <laughs> you know, oh, wow. Okay. That's not how I thought I sounded, you know, and they improve quite quickly, actually. They learn a lot. So uh, that's, yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a good good way if you've got the opportunity to, to try that out. The if the world of deliberate practice, focused training and mindset development speaks to you, there are a number of great resources available online and in print. Ulrich and Susanna's book isn't yet available in English, but they've posted a fantastic presentation on YouTube covering how they work together to achieve Susanna's singing goals. Look out for the ACE keynote Getting Better with Deliberate Practice. Mindset by Carol Dweck is an innovative book in the field and demonstrates the power of a growth mindset. Focal methods can also be useful frameworks to develop structured deliberate practice. So if you're interested in the approach Ulrich and Susanna used, check out completevocal.institute. We've listed these resources and more on our page. So, happy exploring. Ulrich, the way that you teach, as you said before, really works well with this whole experiment. It was kind of a match made in heaven, I would say. <laughs> what is it about CBT that's so specific to this deliberate practice? And have there been, have you had any experiences of any other techniques perhaps or any influences from any other techniques? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I, I, um, I'm, I have done many TV shows and worked for many years. So of course that's also part of the, the story, I guess, how we work there. And, and, uh, but, uh, specifically for the CVT, I, I guess I'm brought up with, for example, the, the coaching part where you have to ask the singer all the time, uh, which I mean, which I mean motivates the singer. Uh, a lot. And uh, from there also the breaking it down into bits and bytes to focus on what works and what could be fixed or better. 
And, uh, and, and there you have to really break it down into bits and bytes and you have to be very specific about what you're working on. It's not good enough just to say, uh, just believe in it or something like that. No, it's about raising your soft palate a millimeter more and, uh, twang just, uh, 7% more uh, or in the extreme, of course. And uh, so be very specific about what you're working on. And from there, we are praising the process. And that's something uh, that really uh, caught me here was uh, the uh, mindset from Carol Dweck. It really inspired me. Now it's a big part of my life, I must say. And, uh, and maybe more uh, present, maybe I'm also brought up a little bit with that on the Institute, Complete Vocal Institute, but, but now it's much more present for me because uh, Susanna and I worked together on that the last five, 10 years. And um, uh, how you think about things, what you can work on and, and um, from there and to praise the process. And from there, it's, it's a lot easier to, to cope with that. You have some things that are difficult. It's not like I'm a bad person or I'm born weak or something like that. Uh, uh, no, it, it's possible to work on. Everything is possible to work on. And, uh, and it becomes much more interesting to work on things when you have that mindset. So that inspired me a lot, I must say. What, what you're talking about with uh, the, the praising the process, the, the thinking part of all of this is very interesting yeah. to me because my own experience was, was that, yes, I can do all these sounds, but I still somehow have to uh, get over myself. Yeah. You know, I still have to, you know... The, the, the performance uh, anxiety side of things, which is a condition yeah. thing. I saw a quote the other day that said, you're not nervous, you're just underprepared. And I thought, no, I don't agree with that because the the, the, the mental game is, is really big. And I wonder whether uh, you could both comment on deliberate practice and performance anxiety and if there's any other approaches complementary to that that you, you, you might use as well? Mm. It's, an interesting, it's an interesting question. And I, I think I've suffered from a mild degree of performance anxiety, mostly because I was not used to it, not just as a singer, but also in my other job where I do teachings of, of big groups. And it didn't come naturally to me. So I felt insecure and uncomfortable. And in a way, I find that the better I'm prepared, the more I can get through it. Um, and I, I am probably the person that super prepares. I, I like can testify to this. I, I write down word by word, what am I going to say for a whole hour? So I'm sure. And then I practice it and learn it by heart. So it becomes natural when I talk and I do this same with singing. So you asked earlier, Julia, about um, performing live. And that's not something I've done a lot either which means the times I have done it, I have practiced so much. I mean, just one song, you wouldn't believe how, how many times I've practiced it with my own, I have a PA system and a microphone and I've recorded it. I've been with Ulrich. I've, um, so, so I find that for me, and maybe I'm not doing justice to the people that do have severe performance anxiety, but for me, this has been, has been helpful. And then, putting myself in the situation as much as possible. Um, so singing in front of others as much as possible has also been helpful. 
but I don't know that that's going to help everybody. That's just what's worked for me. Have you ever uh, used visualization? So actually, rather than physically being in a situation, mentally preparing yourself like that, is that something? I do, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> 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 okay, that's yeah, but that's interesting. I mean, everybody's different. So yeah. you're, I would say you're quite a logical person. And yeah. you, I think I think we've tried. I've tried when it comes to conveying emotions. I've I've tried, and and sometimes it has been helpful. It's part of what we've talked about sometimes because you don't just want to sing a song; you want to move people. So. It, it, we've tried it a little bit and it has worked to some extent, but I'm not, I'm not big on visualization. <laughs> well, so I guess there are, there are quite many tools you can work with when it comes to anxiety and stuff, but when it comes to mindset and connection, um, uh, I experience also because I'm also performing and I also have nerves and sometimes more, sometimes less, even when I do speaks or, um, and it was a, it has been a huge change for me. It took some years though. It's not like very fast. It took some years, but it, 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 it changed because the mindset, you know, instead of going in on a stage saying, I'm, I'm today, I want to be the best. I want to be even better. I want to, Oh, this time I'm going to really nail it. No, it's like today I'm going in to learn something new. I did my work. I, I know exactly how much I prepared. If I didn't prepare enough, I know that too. But I did my work before and now I'm on stage and I'm there also to learn. And what is it I'm going to learn today instead of how good am I? It's more like, how can I become better? Mm. And that's the mindset I try to really incorporate, incorporate every day. And it makes it easier. It, it takes away some pressure and some stress. And I, th- yeah. I think that's an absolutely brilliant tool or piece of advice actually because I think um, having also experienced it as an artist the 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 more expectation people have of you or you think other people have of you um, and you put on yourself and then the less likely you're actually mm. going to get up and do it or the more anxiety you actually have or that, that develops and then if you don't regularly put yourself on stage then you're never addressing this. So I think that's really good to actually use it for yourself as well. I know Michael and I are also very aware of how to do that with with another singer, but for ourselves, we forget this tool. (laughs) And uh, I think this is really great for any singer on their own to just sort of say, okay, how can I get better? You know, and uh, preparation is the key and practice, deliberate practice is is the key. It changed my teaching Mm. too, I must say. When I teach groups, uh, I have been teaching for many years since I was 20. And uh, of course, at some point, you are very good at what you're doing. Yeah. I dare to say that. Uh, And maybe the pressure becomes more and more and more and more. And when you walk in that room, it's like nearly unbearable at some point. (laughs) Yeah. And but to flip this mindset and say and and maybe at some point start to laugh at your mistakes and see wow that's interesting why did I do that and how can I change it and and do something different? Um, yeah. How would you say deliberate practice relates to artistry, individual expression, and emotional output, for example? For for me, I think. Um, deliberate practice is sort of the foundation of knowing that I am able to do what I'm trying to do. So I have the technical skill. I have mastered all elements of performing the song, which means when I go 
uh, out to perform, I am hopefully able to put that aside and be present and be connected with what I'm trying to convey. So I, I don't think deliberate practice alone leads to, to, to the performance that moves people, but I think it's necessary because if I'm still worried about a particular note I have to hit, I'm not going to be present in what I'm singing. So if I can practice enough to feel completely secure, I can kind of let it go and focus on the emotions. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and um, I, I guess it's also a little bit back to the muscular memory that Michael talked about. And actually, when you have done it so many times that it's in your muscular memory, you can be, um, how can I say it? You can be at another level with your, uh, in another universe while the body is still performing something that you really put into the muscular memory. And that's actually the flow, maybe. So, so uh, you could even look into Daniel Kahneman and the system one and system two, if you have heard about that, and and how you are capable of doing something pretty advanced at some point because you've done it so many times, specifically down to every bit and bite. Uh, so you so you can at the same time uh, think of other things and do interpretation, yeah. touch people, and so on. Mm. This concept of, of uh, uh, emotion, authenticity, as you said, you know, you by being secure in what you're doing, then that takes a lot of the, the variables away. But there, there's also, uh, for the singer or the actor or whoever, how do they you know, deliver an authentic emotional performance, but also, uh, I suppose, take care of themselves? Because... Uh, you know, in the field of, of performance, there's a lot of different theories. There's emotional recall, feel the emotion, mm. or there's imagination, you know, the Meisner technique in acting, for example. And, you know, for the for example, a musical theatre singer doing eight shows a week, yeah. they're potentially under emotional stress, you know, yeah. they're li- living this experience. So I, I just wondered if you could comment on, on how, yeah, how do we... How, uh, how do we deliver authenticity but take care of ourselves? So I, I can say something that's probably going to sound provocative from my field, but because I am, I'm working in a field where yeah. authenticity is important too, whether I do um, clinical work or I do teaching, people have to feel that I'm authentic. And the key is as long as they feel I'm authentic, then I am, I don't have to be it inside and, and I think for me, that's translated into the music as well, that if I'm able to perform it in a way that touches people, even though my feelings may not be all stirred up, if they feel it, then it's true then it's real. And I know that, and Ulla can say a lot more about that. There are, there are techniques in, in also that CVI teaches that will help, help the singer do exactly that. And I, for me, that's been helpful um, in my in my work as a teacher and in my work as a therapist, I kind of have a persona. I don't even know if that makes sense, kind of a character. And I've, I've tried to apply that as a singer to, to have the same as, as an artist, a persona or a character and convey the emotions from there. So it's not really me. It's partly me, but it's not really all of me. I don't know if it makes sense. Well, Beyonce has Sasha Fierce. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I think it's important. We we have to be humble about this thing because it, there are so many approaches again to it, and it's so different from person to person how you how you work with this. I mean, you can ask actors as well, and and it's so different how they work with method acting or other things, Stanislavski or so. But but um, so it's very important that you find something that works for you. Uh, still, I have I have the feeling that if you found something that works, why shouldn't you be able to rehearse that? If you understand what I mean here, if you, for example, go into your emotions one time while you are recording, for example, and you find that the the emotion that fits the the message perfectly, and and maybe you even test it, and people get touched then you listen back to what you did and then you repeat exactly what you did a lot of times. Then maybe you are capable of standing on stage doing that again, thinking not so much about your emotions, but about something else. Yeah, I guess that that's a great tool because we, we're human beings and we're, <laughs> our emotions are changing daily, <laughs> not just monthly or weekly. And, and it, it, you, you may not have the opportunity perhaps before you go on stage to get into that mindset uh, where you were when you recorded the song or, or, or where you were when you did the, the best performance ever. So yeah, perhaps having this practice, this type of practice to sort of go, right, okay, I've got to go into that gear or I've got to go into, to switch that button on or whatever. I know where the channel is. Um, I think it'd be a really useful uh, tip and, and helpful uh, way of, of approaching it. And then perhaps that also helps with your uh, performance anxiety. Because <laughs> if you think, I can't get into them, I can't get into it. Ah! <laughs> um, it's like, I'm not feeling it, I'm not feeling it. And that, that also creates uh, an anxiety that's very difficult to control. Great. I mean, I think there's been some absolutely wonderful things that we've been talking about. What I'd really be interested to find out from you guys actually is what's for you next? I, I, I would say that your question is spot on in terms of where I'm at right now. I'm trying to figure out what is next. So I'm playing around with different ideas. Um, I, I do want to do more music. I do want to record more music, but I still haven't figured out how. Because maybe I'd like to be even more involved in writing the songs this time. Um, so, so I think it's a good question. I can't really answer it. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> Ulrich, yourself? Yes, um, well, I'm, I'm uh, curious to learn more. And uh, I keep reminding myself that every day. And uh, it's inspiring. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's boring. But it's uh, to, to work on things. But uh, I keep on working on things now because I'm curious and I want to learn more. There's always something to learn. Is there anything? Because as we're we're recording this in the UK, we're still in lockdown. <laughs> in in Denmark, it's it's easing up a little bit more. Uh, so we've heard. Is there anything from this situation? that you've learned or has influenced the way that you work, practice, or has inspired you uh, to perhaps think about, even if you're not quite sure right now which direction you want to go into, but has it, yeah, inspired or ignited any thoughts that, oh, actually, maybe I need to think about exploring this a little bit more? 
I, I don't know if it's the current situation, but I can tell you I'm in my country music phase right now. Ah, <laughs> great. Um, so that's, that's, so if you want to know what I'm working on, that's what I'm working on. So I'm, I'm trying to work on songs done by artists that have a cool sound that I would like to um, be able to take some from. And oh. I think the next music that I'm going to release is probably going to be sort of in that genre. I think, my my album was a bit in that genre. I think maybe I'm going to take it even further with the next thing I release. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, great. We look forward to that. Yeah. Yes, I, I had some more time for playing the guitar. And uh, I think uh, it's been great because when Susanna says uh, that, that she works for one to two hours, I mean, most people, if they if they sit down and think about it, if they can take out one or two hours every day to rehearse something down into, I mean, the, the core of it, it's tough. And that's yeah. why I talk about the motivation and how you really need to, to be aware of what you're working on and stuff like that. Uh, and I got time to work more on my guitar play and that I really enjoyed that because uh, in a normal day, it's so difficult to take my time to do it. I totally agree. And just digressing a little bit back to what we're talking about with regards to motivation, do you think therefore there is a balance between inner motivation and external motivation? I, I think I think they vary. So in some in some periods it's inner motivation. It's something that I am so determined to want to have to do. Yeah. And then in other periods of time it's almost exclusively external motivation. It's almost <laughs> only because I'm seeing Ulrich that I'm practicing because I'll feel bad if I didn't <laughs> or because I promised to perform or something. Then I'll, I'll practice because I'm scared of performing. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. I find that. I also find that if you have a lot of gigs for me, it's live yeah. um, because that's where for me it really counts. Of course in the studio as well, but we all know there's technology <laughs> that can help you along at times, whereas live, no, it's about the whole thing there yeah. and there being present. And yeah, if I have gigs coming up, wow, I practice. When I don't, oh, perhaps not quite so <laughs> so motivated internally. Yeah, I, I agree. I find that I'm motivated by fear. I mean, <laughs> that, that's, so, so and maybe that works for me. So I'll try to, not, not right now in lockdown, but I'll try to set up things that I have committed to do and that will yeah. commit I'll be committed to practicing because of those things I have to do I yeah no I just want to say I totally agree but but um and um it's like the more you train the more you you're maybe aware of what you can do and what you can't do and then the more aware uh, of the small victories when you when there is something you believe this is not in my reach, but then suddenly you are capable of reaching that. That that's a inner success that maybe is a little bit more difficult. The younger you are, maybe it's more about playing some gigs and get some people to like you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. But the more you train and the further you, you come, you, you might think, wow, this is impossible. And then suddenly you get there and you reach it. And, and that's amazing. Yeah, I think that's why the, the deliberate practice and the planning and the things that you were talking about, these little steps are really important because that's where you'll see the bigger changes. 
And it's very satisfying <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> the amount of times you hear, I've taught students and, and then I said, oh, how's your practice? I'm just loving singing air the whole time. I just love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like such a simple exercise, but really effective. And, <laughs> and there's, yeah, yeah, it's not the thought, oh God, I've got to do two hours of like 20 songs or, you know, it's, it's no. uh, oh, I just, oh, I can do this. Yeah, I can do this all day long. <laughs> yeah, great. So for, for, for those who, because uh, as far as I, I understand, your book isn't yet in English. I mean, we should all be learning Danish, but we're maybe not. Yeah. We don't have the deliberate practice strategy worked out yet. Um, but what resources could you uh, recommend for people who want to explore both your work in deliberate practice, but also uh, other people who've inspired you? Because I'm sure lots of people listening to this will be thinking, great. I'm going to go out and do this now. Well, I think two books come to mind. Um, the one that Ulrich mentioned by Carol Dweck called Mindset. And I think the other one, if you want to sort of get a thorough overview of deliberate practice, is Jeff Colvin. And he's written a book called Talent is Overrated. Those two books, for me at least, are sort of a foundation of, of trying to understand what this is about and sort of the whole mindset and, and approach to it. And then I guess if you want, you can search on YouTube. There's a video of me and Ulrich doing a speech in English. So, so we're, we're, we're talking about deliberate practice more specifically. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. And we will, we hope we have a book in English in the future. Yeah. Maybe you can help us translate. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> There's a podcast by um, Freakonomics called Peak, I think. It's called Peak. And, and, um, and there, Candace Erickson talks about his ideas and also Malcolm Gladwell. And I'm being interviewed for the podcast as well. So that, that would be a, a, a resource as well. Excellent. Brilliant. It's been an absolutely amazing chat with you guys. Thank you so much for, for coming along. I've learned loads from this. <laughs> um, I'm sure our listeners and many singers and coaches out there will also have learned a lot and be very, very curious, I think, now to, to explore this in more detail. So thank you so much for, for coming along and, and chatting to us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. You're welcome. The Connected Singer Thanks to all of you out there for listening to our podcast today. All information relating to our podcast and guests can be found on our Facebook page, The Connected Singer. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. If you have enjoyed this episode's podcast, we would really appreciate your support by subscribing and helping us to continue in creating a connected community of listeners and specialists connected to the field of singing and beyond. Take care of yourselves and each other and see you next time.